the Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. We're going to talk first about PFAS, the toxic chemical that is polluting so many of our waterways here in the Midwest, and about a potential solution to decompose the, quote, forever chemicals. Is a cleanup someplace soon in our future? And then the guys from Under the Radar Michigan on Detroit Public Television are going to join to talk about their third book, which reveals 50 more great places to enjoy yourself in our great state. It's all next on Detroit Today, but first the news from NPR. Detroit Today is supported by Michigan School of Psychology in Farmington Hills, educating psychologists today who will transform our world tomorrow. Learn more at msp.edu. Good day. Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. As humans, we have a real love affair with technology. From the beginning of civilization, we've been using increasingly complex tools that make our lives easier and more enjoyable. And to do this, we've had to mess around with the natural world, and sometimes that has really bad consequences. One tool we've been using is a set of chemicals called PFAS. These are industrial chemicals that are leveraged by a variety of businesses, and their use has caused a lot of problems for Michiganders. A couple of years ago, 35 sites were found to be contaminated which, with PFAS, and, which makes for less clean air, water, and soil for the humans and animals that live nearby. The problem with PFAS is that it doesn't break down easily, and it gets recycled again and again through our products and environment. We have talked a lot on this show in recent years about PFAS, about its growing consequences here in the Great Lakes State and about the idea that eventually we're going to have to figure out a way to sort of turn that in a different direction. A new study shows some promising signs that may point to a solution. To talk about this, we have Tom Perkins with us. He is a freelance writer who has been covering concerns related to PFAS for The Guardian. Uh, Tom, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, thanks, Stephen. Yeah. So, uh, for those who don't know, let's go back and talk about what PFAS is, what makes it up, and why it has gotten so much attention over the last couple of years. Sure. Uh, PFAS are a, a class of of chemicals that are used to make uh, thousands of uh, consumer products. Uh, uh, you know, generally to resist water stains and and heat um but the uh and they're really they're effective uh very effective at that but the problem with them is they don't naturally break down 
So as as you mentioned, they're uh, once they're produced, they're really continuously uh, cycling through the environment and getting in our water, getting in our food, in the air, um, and they're linked to a lot of uh, a lot of terrible diseases, uh, cancer, uh, kidney problems, uh, liver issues, high cholesterol, birth defects. Uh, they, they cause problems with the immune systems. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're, they're everywhere. They're widely used, uh, but they, they don't go away. And we're finding that, uh, you know, the more we look at them, we're finding that they're uh, pretty toxic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I always want to try to make this really easy for people to identify or understand. Talk about if you are someone who lives here in the state of Michigan, where you might see the effects of this PFAS. I think for people who've paid pretty close attention, you know, there's this kind of foam that you see in some of the waterways that that is related to it. But but talk about how it's affecting our lives and, and beaches and, and, and drinking water all over the state. Yeah, it's um, because so many different industries use uh, the chemicals and, and some of the applications, uh, you know, they, you're going to find them uh, everywhere from plating facilities to, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's commonly used in, in firefighting foam at, at airports and military bases. So uh, there, there are a lot of PFAS hotspots around the state. Um, uh, Oscoda, there's an Air Force base up there. That, uh, gosh, the the groundwater is is just uh, pretty contaminated. A lot of drinking water wells in the in the area have high levels. Uh, there's a out in western Michigan. There's a um, a former uh, tannery that was was dumping a lot of their waste straight into the aquifer, and so people who were were pulling water out of the uh, or, or, or pulling water from the their wells around there uh, had had pretty high levels, um, you know. But even like in in Ann Arbor, uh, there the, the city's pulling its water out of uh, the Huron River. Huron River's had consistently had excuse me has consistently had pretty high levels. Um, so, you know, you get a lot in drinking water, but also we're, we're exposed to the, the chemicals in, in our everyday lives. Uh, they're used in, in cookware, nonstick cookware. They're in food packaging, dental floss, uh, um, water resistant, uh, uh, rain gear. Um, you know, just there's, there's so many different applications that, that, you know, you, you're going to encounter them pretty consistently in, in everyday life and in uh, the drinking water. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk about this new technique that scientists have come up with that might help us fight PFAS more effectively than we have been. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, so what what makes the chemicals so Difficult to break down is their their carbon atoms are are fluorinated, and it's this this fluorination that that really makes the chemicals uh, resist high temperatures and and water and and everything else, and it's 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 really just that's what's made them virtually indestructible, and 
and you know scientists and researchers have tried different techniques to to destroy the chemicals incineration um uh you know just all, all all kinds of different things but nothing has worked you, you try to incinerate them it just it just sends the chemicals up into the air uh so uh, uh one of the more promising um uh discoveries recently is is, is a way to to defluorinate them and uh, defluorinate the chemicals and it's it's showing that it can happen in a lab setting but this is you know it's very early in the process Mm -hmm. and basically what this would do is you know when you have how this would be applied to the the real world is you would when you have a, a water utility for example that's um uh filtering contaminated uh water well then you once you pull it all all out of the drinking water supplies you have to do something with with the pfas and you know you can't incinerate it you can you can try putting in a landfill you can try injecting it deep into the the earth's surface all things that we're doing right now but the chemicals are still going to be there so this new method would would allow us after we uh or after utilities collect uh, or, or filter PFAS from the water, to to defluorinate them and turn them into something that's pretty inert, pretty benign, and and scientists hope this is going to kind of solve the problem. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking with uh, Tom Perkins. He's a freelance reporter for a variety of outlets, including the Metro Times, Slate, and the Guardian. He has a recent article in the Guardian about good news related to a study about PFAS, uh, this forever chemical that is produced by a number of different industries and has really been taking a toll uh, on the environment here in Michigan. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us how concerned you are about PFAS and other kinds of pollution that we live with here in Michigan. Have you taken particular steps to ensure that you're drinking safe water or eating safe foods that may have been contaminated by PFAS? Uh, Are there other toxins or chemicals that you're concerned about? contaminating the environment here in Michigan. Of course, we live in southeast Michigan, which uh, is one of the dirtiest places uh, in terms of industrial pollution in the country. Uh, Talk about the ways in which that plays out in your daily life. Uh, What are the things that remind you of the need to, to put more regulations, perhaps, on industry so that they don't create so much pollution and uh, for government to act more aggressively to clean up uh, the dirty uh, environment that we're left with. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, uh, put comments there, or go to Twitter, and hashtag Detroit Today. And uh, we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Tom, uh, how optimistic uh, about uh, this breakthrough are these uh, scientists? And what would it mean if you're really able to effectively break down PFAS? Is this something that would put a, a, a permanent solution to this within within reach? Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's room for, there. There's reason for optimism, um, but the the problem is that you need to. There needs to be stronger regulations around them in the first place. Uh, <clears throat> if they get out in the environment, and um, you know, if they're being used in in thousands of products that were 
encountering daily, uh, being able to break them down doesn't really help us. It, it doesn't really help me that, um, you know, the this new process might be able to take care of them, but I, I still have PFAS in my waterproof boots that are in my house, for example. And I'm supposed to them there. They're in my food packaging. So it's, uh, you know, it's... It's big news. It's it's uh, you know it's, it's going to do a lot of good, but it's sort of addressing the problem um, you know further down the line when really like the chemicals need to be. Uh, I think most public health advocates and PFAS re- researchers will say the chemicals need to be restricted and you know only used for uh, essential purposes, mm-hmm. not in food packaging, not in boots where they're going to end up out in the environment anyway. Um, but yes, you know, once we, once we pull the chemicals out of the water, uh, something needs to happen with them. That's not incineration or injecting them into the, uh, into the earth or putting them in landfills because those just, you know, they're, that's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, three, one, three, five, seven, seven, one, one, nine is the number here on the phones. Let's go to Dan in Southfield. Dan, welcome to the show. Yeah. Hi, Stephen. Hey. I, I'm just my what disturbs me about the, all of these conversations is, that, you know, if I walked up and lit your house on fire, you'd hold me responsible. Mm-hmm. OK. I mean, what gives people the right to, you know, incinerate our environment and not be held accountable? I have no answers to it. I, I mean, I just don't get it. Yeah, Dan, it's a great question, and it's a frustration that I think a lot of us share about this kind of activity and the systems of accountability that exist. Tom, can you talk some about the regulatory environment and the process or the possibility, I guess, of trying to hold those who those companies that are that are creating this mess responsible for? what they did and of course responsible for the cleanup. Right. Yeah. There's been um, a little bit more uh, pressure on industry from uh, one, the Biden administration and, and two uh, state regulators at, at Eagle. Um, I think Michigan's actually been a lot better than most states in and uh, tackling the problem, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, one thing state regulators here have been doing is going to is identifying which businesses are are discharging the chemicals into uh, waterways or the sewer system and and working with them to to find alternatives to you know different ways of, of disposing them so they don't end up at the um, uh, water utility or or um, you know out out in waterways. Uh, the Biden administration just last year unveiled a, a sweeping new plan that's designed to, to rein in the chemicals use and, and really um, uh, try to put some new health advisories in place around some of the compounds. But yeah, a lot of public health advocates and, and researchers say that it's not enough. And, and yeah, there hasn't been a lot of satisfying accountability uh, around this. Um, uh, I, I think maybe... Where you're seeing that most is in is in the the court system. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been quite a few lawsuits, and um, you know, it's, uh, state governments and and private residents who are who are bringing lawsuits are uh, against Dupont and uh, Dow and Comores and and the other 
uh, PFAS producers are really having some success there. Um, but yeah, there just needs to be, there needs to be more, more pressure from government, um, more, you know, as I said before, there, there needs to be the general consensus is that they, they just really need to be restricted as, as a class. And actually the state of Maine, uh, was the first to enact, uh, well, they haven't enacted yet. They approved a, uh, ban on, uh, any kind of non-essential use mm-hmm. of PFAS compounds. Um, so that'll go into effect, I think, in 2029. And I think that is, you know, for that's for the entire class of chemicals, not just one or two or three or four kinds of, of, of PFAS, which is generally what's regulated um, in different states and federally. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's sort of the, the direction things are going, but it's just, it's really slow. And there's just, like I said, has not been a lot of um, uh, satisfying accountability. Yeah. Uh, Dan, again, thanks very much for the call and the really provocative question. Uh, before we end, Tom, I, I want to talk just a little about other things that you think might be particularly dangerous and polluting that maybe we're not doing a good enough job paying attention to. What should we be putting more time and money and resources into fixing in our environment, which, of course, is greatly affected, as I said, by by lots of pollution? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the whole, I think the issue is the whole regulatory system uh, really is, is set up in a way that that benefits uh, industry and doesn't adequately protect uh, the public. There are something like, uh, you know, pretty close to 100,000 man-made chemicals now, and a very small fraction of those have been independently studied. Uh, The way it's set up now, whenever industry cooks up a new chemical, you know, they, they do their own studies, they do their own tests, but generally speaking, they can send things to the market with, with, next to no scrutiny and and that's how you get a situation like this where you know they're the they they developed 12,000 kinds of PFAS and and sent them to the market and after decades of use we're finding oh these are toxic these are terrible for the environment these are dangerous um you know they they never should have been sent to the market in the first place there should have been a much more rigorous review and you don't have that. And so, yeah, now there are a lot of um, uh, pesticides. I mean, I really I only buy organic produce these days because I, I know what's going into the, into the <laughs> pesticides. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of food packaging, BPAs, uh, BPS, you know, those, those kind of chemicals. It's, um, you know, you're cooking with them every day. You're, you're getting them in your food. Those are, are a real problem. Um, there's just, I mean, there's just a whole galaxy of chemicals out there that we don't really know much about. So I don't, you know, I don't know that there's really like one or two specific chemicals that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, we need to really be looking at outside of PFAS, but I I think it's just a whole, the whole regulatory system needs to be overhauled and, and designed to protect the public and not, um, you know, not, uh, I think a lot of people really feel like it's, it's set up to benefit industry at this yeah, point, and, and that needs to be rethought. Sure. Okay. Uh, Tom Perkins, freelance reporter for a variety of different outlets. Uh, great work in The Guardian regarding this PFAS study. And thanks for joining us here on Detroit Today. Yep. Thanks for having me. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to discuss some more good news, particularly 
the good things about Michigan's towns and people with two of my favorite folks, eh, folks who do a lot of traveling here in the state. The guys from Under the Radar Michigan are coming up next to talk about their new book and all the fun places it took them. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. WDET is your connection to what's happening in Detroit. WDET is your place for open dialogue about the issues that impact you. Stay in the know. This is WDET FM, Detroit's NPR station. Today on 1019 WDET, I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. It is late August, and that means it is travel season for so many people right now. And of course, that means packing up the car and hitting the road for many people here in Michigan. It means kids yelling, are we there yet? And pit stops in places maybe you've never seen before. It also means exploring different people in places here in Michigan, a really wonderful state with lots of variety and diversity, not just among its people, but of course, among the places and the environs that you can find. During the summer months, people are exploring our beaches and biking and taking long walks along Michigan's Great Lakes. But Michigan, as one license plate notes, is a water winter wonderland, and that means people travel all over during the cold months, too, whether to ski or snowboard or snowshoe or just sit somewhere in a hot tub outside. Uh, People cross this state during the winter to dive into new experiences. Whether it's summer or winter, there are two Michiganders who have maybe done more state travel than anyone else I know. Tom Dalden and Jim Edelman run Under the Radar Michigan, a PBS program that highlights all the fun and quirky sides that Michigan has to offer. The two of them have just published a new book, their third book, Under the Radar Michigan, The Third Fifty. Why Stop Now? It explores various Michigan cities and shops and restaurants that you may consider quite fondly or maybe that you never heard of. I am really excited that Tom and Jim are here with us now to talk about the travel season, what they find fun and interesting about Michigan, and why they cannot stop (laughs) searching for new people and places that make this state so interesting. Uh, Tom and Jim, welcome back that to Detroit Today. That may be today. the most wonderful introduction we have ever gotten. <laughs> Can you tell have, I'm a fan? Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Steven. that was so wonderful. I feel like getting in our car right now and just going somewhere. <laughs> what else is there to say? Thanks for having us in. That's right. Yes, End of the show, right? <laughs> and speaking of are we there yet, Jim usually does the driving, and that's me. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? But, so our motto actually is if you're... It's never too far if you're having fun in the car. Oh, that's so. cool. That's a great motto. And since we just came back from the Keweenaw on Sunday, okay, that was a long drive. Yes, that it is nine plus hours. Oh my goodness! Yeah, actually, it's been <laughs> two, on our two of the two of you in a car for nine plus hours, <laughs> and we're not listening to music. We're talking the whole way. Is you know, right? I noticed it is so you, weird. You always say that, but this last trip it was a ten-hour drive, and I don't think we shut up. One minute. We're <laughs> no. talking and talking and talking and talking. But Jim and I have been friends for, as you know, we came up in radio. We yeah. met each other at uh, another radio station. And uh, we 
came out of radio and we've known each other for years, so we are two men, one brain. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I can't think of one of you without the other. Oh. <laughs> Our wives are super happy to hear that. I don't think I've, that, ever, I think I've ever seen one just of like by, the other. <laughs> All right, so before we talk about this wonderful new book, I have a little housekeeping that I want to suggest to you guys. No. So your, your whole thing is under the radar, mm. but this is your third book, and now you guys are like celebrities and, yeah. and you're a big deal. That. There's nothing under the radar about you anymore. It's well, no, all, not about all... us, but the, actually the title, the reason we call it Under the Radar is because- it's the places, right? Yeah. Well, a lot of these things that we feature are under, like, we feature things that are 30 minutes from my house that I had, that were under my radar. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you're right. After being on the air on uh, uh, Detroit Public Television for- 12 years now. Is it, it 12 years? Yeah, it's 12. Wow. I know. And we're wrapping we did, up the 12th season. My we just goodness. wanted to do this long enough until we got real jobs again. But, <laughs> but it's in spite of us, it keeps going and going. But um, yeah, we are. What was I saying? Uh, <laughs> that it's not really under the radar. It is for oh, us. Yeah. It is for you. Yeah. We got to come up with a new name. Yeah. <laughs> for no, it's, un- it's under the radar. Over things, the cloud. Things you don't know. Bigger think. than ever imagined. Well, it's funny people see me on the street. Hey, you're that Michigan off the map guy. Or, hey, you're Michigan down under. It's like, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah we are all those things. That's yeah, a different geographic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but even though a friend of mine said when we started doing the show first season, he said, you're doing a show just about Michigan? Dude, what are you going to do after one season? You're going to run out of stuff. We are two yeah, huge peninsulas with 10 million people. Young people are doing new, creative, interesting things all the time. Our biggest challenge when we go into a place is narrowing it down to like two or three things. So even though we've been on the air for 12 years, we have three <laughs> books, we've been to 1,000 places, there are still things out there that are under people's radar yeah. that we're trying to uncover and discover yeah we could just focus on southeast michigan and produce shows for as long as we want to do i mean there's so much happening here what we saw in the change in detroit you know we talk about this every time the the restaurant scene blew up like none of us who were longtime residents expected that's a good point when we started doing the show there were a handful of restaurants that we thought we could feature in detroit now detroit is a foodie's Paradise. I was going to say, you yeah. could spend weeks and weeks just going to And my daughter places. lives in the city, and she's like our taste buds on the ground. She's always <laughs> telling us, you've got to go. That's how we found Flowers of Vietnam. That's how we found Pizza Plex. Um, <clears throat> uh, uh, Saffron de Trois, right. we found. Yeah, and so. as much as all those new places are great and they, they capture our attention, there's still you can't ignore the places that have been slogging it out for 20, 30 years. Yeah. And I think that's really where... Dakota Inn, Rascal, or places. Yeah, like yeah, that. we we get into some really interesting debates about what to pick and how to pick it, and sure. you know, you know, because you also get some calls from people saying, "I really need you now." Yeah, and yeah. you're like, ah, but we're not, <laughs> we don't have a Detroit show <laughs> scheduled, or we don't have a, a a Saginaw show scheduled, even though we do have a Saginaw show scheduled for this Thursday, brand new show, <laughs> brand new show Thursday, eight thirty p.m. Some of the biggest feedback we ever got was we did a pizza show, and we thought, well, well yeah. there are so many incredible pizza places we'll just feature on the five different kinds of pizza you know thin crust deep dish uh classic american um so we did the five different kinds but boy we got emails why didn't you feel people are passionate about pizza in the middle of that argument (laughs) yeah but you got to start somewhere and you know then you can look back hopefully uh, you know after our you know 50th pizza show what (laughs) i'm committing right now another 13 years um (laughs) but i mean that's the whole thing i mean i we look back on these these three books and they are kind of like um uh 
yearbooks to me. I look at them and say, okay, remember, you know, we did this there. Yeah. That was the, the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, I'm so excited about the new book because it's 85,000 words I typed. <laughs> well, I keyboarded <laughs> with, with two fingers. What? Yeah, it, with I, two fingers. Oh, this is Are me. you a hunting this is, me. this is me. Where's the L? Oh, there it is. <laughs> What'd you call him? <laughs> no, where's the L? No, I wasn't talking to you. No. But, um, That's a newspaper. Yeah, it took me, it took me forever. Yeah, and I was a journalism major. I was, I was a, I, I love to write. It's just painful for me. So. But um, yeah, there are so many incredible things in this new, so many one tank trips, mm. which aren't, is, are a little more expensive yeah, than yeah. they used to be. But um, yeah, so many great little restaurants yeah, yeah. and places to go. So, so I also think it's really cool that this book is coming out now just as, and we keep saying this over and over and then we get knocked <laughs> back, but just as we're really coming out mm-hmm. of the yeah. the COVID cocoon or whatever you want to call it, where we really couldn't go to as many places or interact with as many people as as I know you guys love to. Right, and, right. and it's just like perfect that we now have 50 more places to 50 think more about. shows. 50 there's more about, shows. There's about 100. Yeah, probably 200, yeah. 200, 200 plus. Uh, yeah, probably five, 200 five segments places. per show. Yeah. Yeah, I'm no mathematician, but that's like 250 ish. <laughs> yeah, 250 different people, places. Yeah. yeah, great places to, and we try to mix it up. It's like we'll go the show. Same thing with the show. We'll go from a a cool funky skateboard shop for kids, and the very next segment is a great place to take your wife on your 30th wedding anniversary. And then there's a great hike you can go on. Then there's somebody doing something special for children. So yeah, we try to mix it up. Make yeah, it interesting. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about. The book and what's in it? What's different about the third 50? Well, there's even more pictures because I'm running out of words. <laughs> but uh, there's just, like you said, quirky, out-of-the-way, fun, funny places. Uh, in the book, there's a place called uh, the Beatles and Beans Coffee Emporium mm-hmm. in Bay City. Mm. Walking into this little coffee shop is like walking into the brain of the world's biggest Beatles fan. Huh. It's it's overwhelming when you walk in there. Um, the couple that own it, sweetest people, um, they drink a lot of coffee, so get ready. They talk fast. But, um, yeah, it's you won't believe. I've been in there four times now, I believe, and I still haven't seen all the Beatles' rare, wow. interesting memorabilia. Yeah, so. it's on the ceiling. It's on the floor. It's It's everywhere. literally like you're inside the brain of a Beatles fan. My it's goodness. amazing. And it's a coffee shop. It's a, coffee it's a shop. little coffee shop. Yeah, in Bay City. Wow. So Wow. Yeah, I, you know, I think one of the things that I like about the fact that, you know, the book exists is you can kind of treat it like um, you just flip to a page and say, okay, we're going to go here. Um, and, okay, if here is, you know, somewhere up in Copper Harbor, okay, maybe we don't have the time to go there. But um, we just finished up a downriver uh, Detroit show and Detroit Salsa Company. You know, that's that's the kind of thing. These kids weren't even born when the show started. Mm-hmm. They started this as a seventh grade school project. Yeah, exactly. Um. Yeah, and now it's two nineteen-year-olds, and their salsa is amazing. It's being oh, sold. Oh, they're nineteen. Yeah, they're okay. 19 they're not, we've not been on that long then. <laughs> <laughs> I take my I take my comparison back. But yeah, but places like um, Stahl's Automotive Museum, or, or actually, it's Stahl's Automotive uh, Foundation over in Clinton Township. If you've never been there, mm-hmm. um, call first because they're only open a, a one five day a week, days a month. Five days a month, <laughs> but it's free, and it's called Stahl's Automotive Foundation. In one giant warehouse, you'll see the most amazing collection of vintage cars, gas pumps, neon wow. signs, and music machines from around the world. So, and that's so it's so in the middle of an industrial park, you know. So you it's never like know. you wouldn't know, you and wouldn't that's fine. No, it. and we had to get hounded by um, 
fans who were just like, you got to go to this place. And when we finally went, we we're like, how do you even find out about some of these things that are so, no pun intended, under the radar? Yeah. 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 How about so, the Keweenaw Peninsula, the little the monks that make the jam and jelly? Yeah, There's yeah. some Byzantine monks up there, have a little road sign house, and their parking space is, thou shall not park here. <laughs> so, <laughs> But they're making jams and jelly. So, yeah, just quirky, fun places to go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm talking with Tom Dalden and Jim Edelman. They are the producer and the host and writer of the PBS television program Under the Radar Michigan. Uh, Tom is also the author of Under the Radar Michigan, the third 50. Why stop now? Of course, Jim <laughs> had a hand in the book as well. We're talking about all the great places that there are to visit here in Michigan and places that maybe you don't know about. All of us have favorite places that we go here in Michigan, but uh, what about the places that uh, somebody else knows about that they could tell you about that you would end up having a really great time at? Uh, these guys have dedicated 12 seasons of television now uh, to unearthing those places and, and featuring them. We want to hear from you during this conversation as well, of course. Uh, call and tell us what your favorite places are here in Michigan. Are they in southeast Michigan? Are they somewhere else in the state? Are they up in the Upper Peninsula? What's your favorite city in Michigan outside of southeast Michigan? Uh, are you going on a vacation soon? It is vacation season right before kids head back to school. Where are you going? What's the place that uh, you love to go this time of year uh, in our great state? Uh, what's the best place for outdoors kinds of activities? Uh, some of the things that are really great to do here uh, in Michigan, and uh, what's kind of on your mind right now about uh, where you're headed. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we can include you in the conversation uh, that way. Um, guys, uh, Julie on Twitter says, ask the guys where to go in the city of St. Clair. I'm not sure if she's from St. Clair or if she's headed there, but uh, have you have you done much in that city? We haven't featured them yet. I'm a fan of the area, and I know that they just went through a multi-million dollar renovation of the St. Clair Inn. Yes, which, which is, is a spectacular. great place. I love that place. Yeah, I loved it from the old days when it kind of smelled a little funky. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, that's, that's definitely on the list. So we have our bucket lists, too. Um, yeah. You know, and I think that... Uh, that is a place that I want to get to. I mean, one of our big bucket list places was Isle Royal. We yeah, we just got off three days on Isle Royal. Yeah, I have never been there. Oh my gosh, the the boat trip out on the Ranger Three. If you're familiar with Wes Anderson, the film director, and the movie Life Aquatic, being on that boat is like <laughs> I kept looking for Wes Anderson. Um, as a matter of fact, my 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 daughter gave me a book that says it, it's called Accidentally Wes Anderson, and there's a picture of one of the portholes on the Ranger. So I found it and took the picture of the picture and sent it back to her. But, yeah, um, one of the most unusual places we ever covered uh, or featured is a restaurant in Michigan that the only way you can get to it is to drive into Ohio and then mm-hmm. drive back up a peninsula oh, really? in Lake Erie that goes back into Michigan territory. Yeah, the state so the line old, cuts across these three peninsulas. It's yeah. so weird. So the oh. only way to get to this restaurant is either by boat 
or you have to drive into Ohio and then drive back into Michigan through Ohio. It's yeah. bizarre. Yeah, I didn't. I've never heard of that. Uh, and if I, if I could remember the name of it, I would have said that's uh, because it was, it was Weber's. Weber's. Weber's, Weber's, Weber's yes. Waterfront Inn. Oh, thanks. see, two yeah, men, yeah. one brain. <laughs> Here, let's go to Nancy in Clinton Township. Nancy, welcome to the show. Uh, hi. Hey. I was wondering if the guys have ever done the electric. Uh, powered boat that goes along Portage Lake out of Houghton. Have you been following our Facebook feed? <laughs> no. Oh, we were just on it. Ah. Oh, the tour boat? Yeah, the dragonfly. Oh, the dragonfly. That's, that's it. That's an awesome trip. Okay, yes. so this is not something I'm familiar with. So there's these electric boats that um, they run on, you know, battery. Um, on electricity. And he's, he's also the helmsman on the Ranger 3, which heads out to Isle Royale. So we just in filming the show this last week, we went out on uh, on the the tour of uh, the the. It's a lake, right? I mean, it's, what is it's a cut through? What is that thing it's called? A, it's actually a canal that canal. Cut, that goes through the Keweenaw Peninsula. Okay, but um, yeah, Captain Dominic, we just did this four days ago. Took us out on this tour, and he gives you historic information. Seaplanes are landing next to you as you're out there enjoying an adult beverage, or if with your children, you can just be enjoying a Kool Aid. But yeah. um, but it's a wonderful tour. It's inexpensive, and a, it's that it's a great really thing great. to do. Yeah. So Nancy, Nancy, tell me what that place means to you. Well, we did it last fall, uh -huh. and it was just gorgeous with the colors along the banks oh, on either side. Tour. And uh, so it it was just one of my favorite things that we did on our trip to the UP and the Porkies last year. That's just so funny that we just did that four days ago. <laughs> That's too funny. You thought you were going right. to stump us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Try again. They are everywhere. Stump the band. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue talking about really cool places here in the state of Michigan, places that are kind of under the radar, as our two guests would say we want to continue to hear from you as well on the phones and on Twitter. 313-577-1019. Call and tell us your favorite places either here in Southeast Michigan or somewhere in the rest of the state. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests right now are the guys from Under the Radar, Michigan, which airs on Detroit Public Television, our local PBS affiliate. Uh, Tom Dalden is the host and writer of Under the Radar, and Jim Edelman is the producer. And intern. And, and intern. <laughs> you need more coffee, Mr. Dalden? Yes, please, more coffee. <laughs> Uh, they also have a new book, their third book, uh, called Under the Radar Michigan, the third 50. Why stop now? We are talking about uh, all the great places in the book and on the show uh, that uh, they feature. Uh, they go to all kinds of places here uh, in Michigan, finding hidden gems, really, uh, things that uh, most of us hadn't heard of or thought of, and uh, they kind of encourage us to get out and explore the Great Lakes State. We want to hear from you uh, on the phones and on Twitter about the places that you love here, either in southeast Michigan or in the rest of the state. Uh, where are you headed in the next couple of weeks before school? Uh, it's a big travel time here in Michigan. Uh, talk about the places that you go back to over and over again, or maybe a place that uh, you might visit for the first time. 
As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag us, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. Let's talk about something else that's going on in Detroit right now. The giant slide. I, <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, right. Know, I yes. try not to laugh because, <laughs> but I have yeah. been trying not to laugh all weekend <sighs> while I'm watching these videos of people, mostly young children, yeah. being thrown all over the place uh, trying to ride the slide. Of it. Yeah. From yeah. what I, from what I understand, no one was seriously hurt. No one was hurt. Okay. Yeah. Right? Now we can laugh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but it is it's hard to be horrified and and amused at the same time. But the cool thing about the giant slide. So I mean, I grew up here in Detroit, and that was of course. Uh, summer tradition you always went to ride the slide at least one one time um you know i saw such a cross-section of people yes on social talking about it yeah black people white people people who live here people who have left people who are fans of detroit people who i know are critics of detroit they all had that frame of reference they all had that cultural touch point in yeah. their minds yep. that thing that they that we all did at at some point and it reminded me of how many places we have like that here in uh, Michigan of course when I was a kid the uh, another one was Bablo uh, oh my gosh you know, I, I mean the I always Bablo say <laughs> so many times <laughs> right yeah. everybody has been on that boat of, of we always try to you try yeah. to count the layers of paint right. <laughs> <laughs> right. and they're, they're kind of sweet when you eat them oh, yeah I know yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're supposed don't, to do don't that eat, don't eat lead paint kids <laughs> but but this this idea of places like that that in some cases we've lost mm-hmm. uh the giant slide, of course, is back, and they have reopened it, and they say it's going to be a little safer. Water has uh, right, slowed down just a little. <laughs> They're but, passing out helmets, but I, but but there's so many places mm-hmm. in the in the in your work that I think remind me of things like that. I don't know if you've done a thing on the giant slide yet. Maybe not yet. Should, uh, not no, yet. no. But we, we have yeah. featured Belle Isle because Belle Isle is one of those iconic places that brings back memories for anybody yes. who's ever had anything. To, I was born in the city of Detroit. Um, I've been coming down here, and and st- my daughter lives down here. She walks her dog on Belle Isle every day, um, and Belle Isle is a melting pot. It's everybody loves Belle Isle, yeah. Um, yeah. And, it ha- and we have for for eons. So yeah, it's one of those things that I don't know. When you come back to Detroit, it's like you want you have to go to Belle Isle, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. And and I, I agree with you. You know, so many of our memories have left Bob Boat, um, but as we travel the state. We hear from other people who are like, you know, have you been to the Cascades in Jackson? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's all these memories that they have of their childhood. Mm-hmm. A Monroe dog in in Monroe, mm-hmm. oddly enough, um, <laughs> is is uh, you know in Flint in Flint conies. You know, they're they're different than Detroit conies. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of this thing of if you grew up on a, a Yester dog in Grand Rapids. Yep. A Detroit Coney is not the same to them, and you know, like us who grew up on Lafayette and, and well, Lafayette um, <laughs> is Lafayette. Uh, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick sides, but that's what I grew up on. It's funny um, we had them on the show. Uh, we side by side, side oh, by did. side. We went into one place and said, "Who's the best? We're the best. We're the first. You go next door, American. We're the best. We're the first. It's like wait, wait, what? Yeah. We're not here to pick sides, and they are different. They I mean, are. I, I grew up here, but uh, but there's no question that uh, you you go to one for. If you're hankering for one thing, you go to the other for, exactly. uh, for something exactly. different. Definitely, definitely. And Again, we, we, we're careful to never say our favorite yeah, on the show. Yeah, uh, don't, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get me in trouble. Uh, let's go next to Robert in Ferndale. Robert, what's on your mind? 
Hey there, it's Stephen. Hey there, Tom. Big fans of both of you. Um, I was wondering if, uh, Tom, if you had been to Fernwood Botanical Gardens in Niles, Michigan? Oh, no. Uh, Fernwood uh, Botanical No, we have not. We have featured uh, several botanical gardens. I'm a big fan of um, places like that because... Oh, well, you're a regular size. I'm, yeah, you're right. I'm a regular <laughs> size fan. <laughs> but, uh, no, have not. But... Um, this is how we get most of the of the things we feature on the show is we get emails every day. We get text or um, Facebook messages every day, and we keep catalog um, all that stuff. So thanks for putting that on our radar. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a beautiful place. So, so, Robert, tell me about the, that place and why, why it's special for you. So it um, it's on the sh- on the shores of the lake. Um, really, it's just really nice forest habitat. Um, understory, like dominated by pawpaw trees. There's these really unique kind of groundwater seams, sort of like wetlands on the side of a hill. Um, I had never like I had never. Seen, I think it was a hot spring uh, some time ago, and it's just it's like really like really beautiful um, gardens that people like. Pre- plus preserve space, hmm. um, and no one's heard of it. It kind of gives the Meyer Gardens uh, hmm. a run for their money, not oh, to wow. throw them under the bus. No, no, and we've, you know, I think that's the thing is that we, we make sure that we're very uh, inclusionary of all the uh, the different gardens. Yeah. Um, but I think that's, uh, we just did the, uh, the, the Taylor, one in um, Taylor. What the was Taylor that called? Taylor Botanical Gardens. Oh, Taylor Botanical yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. Uh, where's Fernwood uh, Gardens at? What city? He said it was in Niles. Niles, okay. Yeah, it's in Niles, south of Benton Harbor. Yeah. It's, I feel like if you're driving to Chicago, it's the perfect place to lose, really lose an afternoon because there's some good hiking there. What's I mean, the candy shop in Niles we did? Didn't we do a candy shop there? Yeah, the 100-year-old place. It started with a V. And there's a brand a young it's couple probably doing a, a I'm distillery. I'm going to guess it's in the book. It's probably, I should probably read my. <laughs> should probably read the book. But, uh, yeah, in Niles there's also a, uh, a brand-new distillery there, a young couple uh, – just started that's wonderful so yeah. it's, it's it gets tough after 12 years it's um plus we're still looking forward we've we've produced almost a full season of shows beyond the book so onward and upward yeah yeah i mean i would imagine it's hard to keep track of every place that you've been and yeah where it is and and we do play that cool. game like especially when someone comes up that we've had on the show and uh, they're looking at us, and they're like, oh, we had such a great time with you, and we're looking at each other for clues. <laughs> yes, Remember me? I was on your show. I don't uh, quite uh, have. <laughs> <laughs> then when we get it, we try to throw in clues that you know the other one can pick up on. It's like, oh, that's right. I loved you. You were the best interview we ever did. It's like you say to us when we come in. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, it's you guys. Who are you guys again? Uh, thanks, Robert. Uh, let's yeah, go to definitely. Lauren in Rochester. Lauren, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. Have you been to uh, Pentwater? Yes, we have been to Pentwater. What did we feature there? Yeah, we have a cottage right on Lake Michigan. We've been going there for years. Uh, Pentwater is just a beautiful little town. The downtown area has great shopping, um, wonderful uh, clothes and home furnishing stores, uh, art galleries, and wonderful places to eat. And we just got back from there yesterday. We're going to go in another couple of weeks to the cottage. And it's just a lovely place to go with kids or just a couple to have a romantic uh, weekend. And as you probably know, it's just a couple hours away from Traverse City. Yep. And Hmm. about an hour and a half northwest of uh, Grand Rapids and very close to Ludington. So... Yeah, we went. We went there. We went there on the show, and I was. It's, it was my first time there. I'd never been to Pentwater before, but we wandered, and that's how we found St. Joe. That's how we found. There's so many t- towns that we've discovered because of the show, 
And it's, you're right, it's a beautiful downtown. The marina's right there. We featured a little restaurant that had live entertainment, and you could sit there and look at the boats in the marina. Um, mm. And I'm trying to remember the name the of it seagull, right, right? The Seagull, right? Seagull? This is a place I've never been. Pentwater, beautiful. Huh. Beautiful, beautiful town. And she's right, great t- great uh, place to take your family, to go on vacation. Um, and I had never been there before. Yeah, all so. those beach communities, you know, they they just have, you know, this this wonderful place in people's memories. They went there as kids. They went there as adults. They took their kids there. Um, and they're taking their grandkids there, too. I mean, I think this is something where we saw it early on, though. Like, if you only went to Petoskey every year because your family went there, it was really hard to break out from that and yeah. go other places. And yeah. I think we gave people a... Um, a, a pass to look at other places without uh, without <laughs> sullying the family's good name of their annual trip to wherever that annual trip was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go next to Leslie in Hazel Park. Leslie, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Hey, I was wondering uh, what the re, uh, what the situation is with uh, Fort Wayne in Detroit. If it's uh, going under any kind of renovation or what's the status on it? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Leslie. I know that just a few years ago when my kids were little and were in PAL, uh, that was where the soccer fields were mm-hmm. for all of the all of the games. You go out there on Saturday or, su- or Sunday, there would be hundreds and hundreds of families out there watching their kids play. I don't, I don't know if you guys have done. We have. Wayne. It's been on our list for a while. That's the problem. We get so many suggestions from people that. <laughs> How come we, you can't go everywhere? I know. I don't understand. <laughs> I know. Well, it's it's tough. Um, and like I said, we keep all that information, but it's been on our, on our list for a while. I mean, it took us years to get up to Isle Royale. Yeah, that was on there from day one. From um, day one. It took us 12 years to finally get our butts onto that island, but wow. we did it. And so. we were on the road for eight, uh, seven days on that. It was the longest stretch of time that we've uh, been on the road together. And there were no fights. <laughs> no. So, but no, Historic Fort Wayne is definitely something that uh, we're watching. We're watching the renovations that they're doing. Um, we think it's definitely overdue. It's definitely headed right? in the right direction. Yes, yes, I'm yes. not sure how quickly, right? Yeah, it's always a question of money. And I'm sure and their problem is right money, like yeah. you just said. I and mean, that's what you know. Our our big fear always was: how do we keep this thing funded? You know, we just we're self funded. You know, we keep moving. You know, the uh, the station's not just throwing money at us to make the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, I got a minute left. Oh no! Oh uh, gosh! Your favorite parts of the book. <laughs> Oh, the pictures. The pictures. <laughs> uh, the, the words. <laughs> the words. So I did the pictures, he did the words. That's why we're self-grandiating ourselves. One of the funnest, most as funnest things we did uh, is the uh, industrial um, kayak tour down the Rouge River. I mean, there's nothing like, it's bizarre. You're, you're kayaking yeah. by giant industry, by f- huge thousand-foot freighters. And then when you come out onto the D- Detroit River in this little teeny kayak, and there's huge international ships going by. You can see the bridge, mm-hmm. the skyline of the city is a spectacular experience. Yeah, yeah. So. It's always eerie to, to, to kind of be down there mm-hmm. and just take in the, the size and the scale of uh, of what Henry Ford uh, right. created. Right, and, yeah. and we all make yeah. fun of industry, and it's just like, well, it's dirty and all that. But, you know, if it wasn't for that industry, we wouldn't have. Well, this would not be the same None place. of what we yeah. have would be possible, yeah. so. And if it didn't catch fire, we wouldn't have to clean it up. We wouldn't have all the great uh, the great things that are going on <laughs> That's now. Right. So. That's right. All right, Tom and Jim, great to have you here as always. Uh, keep Thank going you. with Under the Radar. Thanks for coming under the studio. All right, that's going to do it for us today. 
Come back tomorrow when we're going to dig deeper into the perspective of a pro-life Michigander and talk about how most voters feel about abortion as we come up on the midterm elections. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.